Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Who knew um, back when we had a chance to do this message that I would end up uh, talking to you for a few minutes about John the Baptist. Um, funny how things work out that way. Derek, I think you'll find um, that what you spoke about with Julio, about every believer can minister is going to, uh, to do well. Some of you are worried um, uh, about the time today. Who gives the mic at 11 o'clock to me? Um, by the way, me is Greg. Uh, my wife and I are, well, she just literally disappeared. That's my mom. Um, <laughs> who used to be a youth leader back in the day, but uh, my wife and I, Crystal, we are uh, youth leaders. Uh, Christian, who looks like he's also disappeared, uh, is an intern and is doing a tremendous job with our young people as well, and, and God's pouring into his life. Um, I'm also on the um, board of elders or the elder board or whatever the official term is that. But today, I just want to be a follower of Jesus and just uh, help help us track in the right direction. Um, and so the t- I'm a big title guy. I don't, it's just old school for me. Uh, and so I want to title today what I briefly want to speak about. Uh, call him John. Everybody say John. So if there's any Johns in here, congratulations. It's your day. Um, your mom got it right. And so you should just feel real good about being a John, and that should just make you feel real proud. It's a good name. Um, if you're uh, flipping in your Bibles, uh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the back of the pew. We want to, uh, from church T to you, we want to give that to you if, if you are in need of one. Um, a lot of people use their apps, their smartphones, devices, uh, whatever gets the job done, whatever gets the word in you, um, feel free to use it. Uh, Ephesians 2 and 10, and it declares... For we are God's masterpiece, and He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that He has planned for us. For we are God's masterpiece. Now, I don't know what you think, and I don't know how you process looking in the mirror in the mornings, um, and you may never have looked in the mirror and said, masterpiece, and just like dropped your makeup, dropped your... I have a feeling Derek's done it, but I don't think that a whole bunch of us have ever looked in the mirror, done what we do in the morning, and just said, I'm a masterpiece, and just walked on out, got in the car, had breakfast, gone about our day. Um, But the Bible clearly declares that we are God's best work. We are His masterpiece. Now, I don't know about you, I was watering uh, at like midnight, watering the uh, grass seed that I just planted. I'm weird like that. So I'm out there just watering at midnight, and my son's like, Dad, look. And if you've seen the last couple nights, the moon is just like ginormous, like showstopper moon. Like I just looked at it, and I just thought, wow, that is amazing that the Bible says that there's a lesser light that rules the night. And I was looking... um, I was uh, looking at some pictures uh, from Dawson, who just got back from, from Europe, and he was showing me some pictures of the Alps in Switzerland, and he was like, like you're just looking at the, the Matterhorn, you're looking at the Alps, and you're just like, wow, this is so beautiful. God, you created all of this for us. Uh, and you, I'm sure you've had that moment in, in nature where you have just stopped and observed and said, you created this. If you've ever 
looked out at the ocean and just thought, really? Wow. But the Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 10 that you are God's masterpiece. Not the sun, not the moon, not the oceans. You are God's masterpiece. There comes pressure with being a masterpiece. There comes, a, when you're the Mona Lisa, when you're Guernica, when you're Starry Nights, when you're a famous painting, when you're the masterpiece in the, in the hands of an artist, there's a little bit of intensity there because you're it. And I've not come to pump us up today to where we just walk out of here and just, you know, we just feel that we're all of that in a bag of chips and that we can't do any wrong. Like the Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. We're, nobody in here is trying to do enough good works to get brownie points with God. We, we are very, um, I think, in tune with our flaws in here. I know that, that I am with mine. And so I've come today to just ask you some questions to see where you're at and where we're at as a church and use the birth of John the Baptist as an example. I'm going to kick to the next slide because I didn't even bring notes up here. So I'm literally going off my slides. And uh, so God has called us to be human. I, I like this. He's called us to be human doings. And I know Aaron a while back talked about this. I love that phrase. We say we're human beings, but I want to be a human doing. I want to be a human that is about the business of my Father. If the Bible says that He has made me new and He's made you new and that we are His masterpiece, I want to be about the business of drawing people through my life, which is nothing special other than I've asked God to lead and guide me. I want to bring people into a mature love with Jesus Christ. That same love that He has so freely given to me, He can give to anybody else and desires to give to anybody else. The Bible says that, that He came to this earth to seek and to save that which was lost. Not without purpose, not without a plan, but lost. If you've ever lost, uh, matter of fact, I put these jeans on this morning. Um, you ever found money in a coat pocket or jeans? Like any, like, Two bucks, and you'd have thought I found like $1,800 and a diamond ring. Like I put my jeans on, and I thought there's something back there, and I kind of like had a 10% hope because it kind of felt money-ish. And I'm like, two bucks. And my son's like, you can't even, like, it's two bucks, Dad. And I'm like, it's two bucks. These, I have no idea when I last wore these jeans, probably at best May. It's not really jean weather. Um, Anyway, this little George Washington, this little puppy right here has been sitting in the back pocket of my jeans, which means it's been laundered, not illegally, just laundered. Um, if I'm going to launder money, it's, it's not a dollar bill, I promise you. Make, if you make the feds mad, make it worth your time. Um, so I've got this dollar. It's sitting in my back pocket did not make this not worth a dollar. It didn't change its value being in my back pocket. It just lost its purpose. Its purpose is to exchange this with a whole bunch of other ones because it's 2018 for some sort of goods or services. That's what this was created was to barter, was to make a deal, was to purchase something. It didn't cease to be valuable in my back pocket. It just didn't fulfill its purpose. 
When you have been down and out, when you've ever in your life, and if you find yourself there today, I, I pray that, that we pull out of that and we reinvigorate, that we re-energize, allow the Holy Spirit to pour into us once again purpose. You have not lost your value no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've endured, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter how many bodies you've left in your wake, no how many broken relationships, no matter all of the junk that's in your past, you did not cease to be worth what God said, you are my masterpiece. We just have to plug into our purpose. And our purpose is to bring people to know the love of a Savior that we have been privileged to know. And so God has called us to be human doings, not just take up and occupy a space on a pew, not just to punch a time clock and hope we can make it to retirement in our right mind with clothes on our back. He didn't call us to just show up and accidentally fall into some gospel or ministry. Because a thought hit me this week that I heard, everybody arrives somewhere in life. Every one of us will get somewhere in life. But not very many people get somewhere on purpose. I want to get somewhere on purpose because God is leading and guiding me and us. And so, man, I'm so excited to share this, this next, like, I'm not even going to put a time on it because you won't believe me. Next slide. And so, uh, in Acts 20 and 24, because it's important that you have a purpose. And so, in Acts 20 and 24, Paul's purpose is clearly stated. He said, basically, my life is worth nothing to me. The life I live has no value but that I might find God's will for my life. And that is to testify to the grace of Jesus. He said, my life doesn't mean anything because if I don't find my purpose, if I don't plug in to where God wants me to plug into, then it really doesn't matter the job, it doesn't matter all of the things that I can collect, it doesn't matter how nice the house is, it doesn't matter about the bass boat, it doesn't matter about even relationships, uh, if I haven't plugged into my Acts 2024. And so my statement to you is, do you know your purpose? And don't give me, and please don't waste your time and give yourself the, well, my purpose is to love Jesus and just, yeah, I just want to help other people love Jesus. Your purpose is specific. It is, you're his masterpiece. He has a work dedicated for you. And it's not going to be like anybody else's work on the planet. You are a fingerprint. The hand of God. No two fingerprints are alike. He did not put you on this earth to just occupy time and space until something happens. He put you on this earth because you are uniquely you, because your brain operates just a little bit differently than everybody else's brain. He put you on this earth. Why? Because he knows that the stuff that's made up your past to this moment doesn't tell you that you are excluded from serving and being a minister. It accents your ministry. The junk you wish you hadn't gone through, the pain you wish you hadn't endured, actually is the thumbprint, the fingerprint that makes you uniquely you and makes you uniquely qualified to reach people that other people just can't reach. 
And Ephesians 2.10 and Acts 20 and 24. Next slide. So do you know your purpose? Could you, if somebody asked you right now, what is your purpose on this earth? Could you look them in the eyes, or you, you might be a little more shy and kind of look down, but could you look them and say, my purpose, and boldly declare where and why God has put you where he has put you? Or would you kind of, because I know at points in my life, I would have said, well, I would have given the generic church answer. I grew up in church. I can play this game better than anybody in here. I can give you answers. I know just the right moment to throw out the right word, but I wouldn't have known it in here. And so, what is your purpose, and what is our purpose as the church? We're church T. Some of you might be visitors, Olive Garden, your family, welcome. Welcome. Some of you are like, man, I haven't been here in a couple, couple months, don't worry about it, your family, I'll give you a hug after church. Aaron's a big hugger. Rick could give you a hug. Somebody will hug you. Somebody will high five. If you don't like to be touched, we'll just do like the air fist bump. Kind of like Howie Mandel, like, you know, germaphobe, like just back there. Whatever your, floats your boat, however God designed and made you, don't apologize for it. Just keep trekking with him. He's got a purpose specifically for you. So the Bible tells us not to compare ourselves because you try to make who you aren't, into somebody else that you see that looks like they got it together more than you got it together, and so you try to emulate and copy, and you're miserable. Because God didn't ask you. I mean, Rick Tripp just blows my mind. I mean, it's trippy Rick. I, I love the way Rick Tripp goes about his business, but if I try to pray like Rick, if I try to act like Rick, if I try to parent like Rick, if I try to do the things just like Rick, I'm not Rick. And if I'm not Rick, I'm just... All I could be was a bad image of Rick Tripp. He didn't call me to be Rick Tripp. He called me to be Greg Phillips. And there's days I can't even get that right. Why would, why would I try to be somebody else? But we often always assume the negative very quickly about ourselves and we eschew or we have a difficult time believing the positive. That's why you need to latch on today to Ephesians 2 and 10 that you are his masterpiece. You are his greatest work. Not that moon that should have blown your mind last night. Not this 90,000 degree heat that feels like a stinking oven on that asphalt out there. But that's pretty amazing that the Man, welcome to Ohio. I mean, it really could snow by next week. All of that blows my mind. I'm a weather geek. Tornadoes and hurricanes and tidal waves. And, and I and you are his greatest work. What's your purpose? What's our purpose as church T? Kick that slide. There's only like seven of them. I'm like in the fifth one. So you, you still don't trust me, do you? That's all right. And then we get to Luke, and there's a story. And here you go, like, oh, here's the story. And it's about the birth, kind of the forebirth of John the Baptist. I would assume most of you have heard of John the Baptist. And his, he's got Zachariah, his dad's a priest. And actually, uh, mom's Elizabeth. They're like cousins, Elizabeth and Mary, like Jesus' mom. They're like cousins, so it's like the family connection. And they all have, they're, they're doing good work, man. Because the Bible says that, that Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous. They were in good standing in the eyes of God. Bro, if I can get to the end of my life and people are like, well, he was righteous in God's eyes. I'll take that. I mean, that's well done, good and faithful servant. Like, that's the words we should long to hear. Like, 
They're checking all the boxes. And it says they were careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. He was in the priesthood. He was of like the order of Aaron, like back in the day. Like they have some crazy rules. Look them up sometime, you'll just quit. After about the three millionth rule, you'll be like, I couldn't live like that. So they obeyed all of the commandments and the extra regulations. But they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were very old. So just in case you thought it could be something fixed medically, they're just old too. It ain't happening. But there's something missing. They had a purpose from the beginning of time. Zechariah and Elizabeth were very uniquely themselves. God had placed them in that moment for such a time as that. So that some moment, God God loves to do his greatest work out of hopelessness. He loves to take barrenness. He loves to take brokenness. If we're not careful, we can get a little jaded. We've all been there before. Like, I'd rather not go through the brokenness. I'd rather not go through the barrenness. I'd rather not go through the pain. I'll, I'll praise him anyway. But we know how this works. God always puts us in relationship at some point with people that go, man, I wish you knew what it was like too. And they'll finish the sentence and you just well up with tears because they just assume you've had this great life because you have joy. You have a fruit of the Spirit working in you and you have peace that passes all understanding. And people are like, man, I wish I was growing up in church. I wish I had a great life like you and great parents. I bet you had great mom and dad. And you're like, actually, they, they were sketchy. And I mean, I'm not... <laughs> That was like a general statement. (laughs) You are never too old to get back slapped. (laughs) Never. (laughs) And my mom's slick. Even at her well-seasoned age, she can rip me a new one on text now. She texted me one time and said, watch your tone of text. 2018, baby. Get it. Get you some. Like, you're right, Mom. I'm sorry. (laughs) If you've ever felt at some point you were barren, like you knew you were made for more than what you're doing, but nothing's coming out of you. You're frustrated. You're behind in your bills. Maybe your marriage is not going well. Maybe the relationships in your life. Maybe there's just severed relationships everywhere with your children, with, with your parents. It's like the harder you work, the harder you try, the more you just get smacked down and shut down. And everybody's hooping and hollering and getting baptized. And Aaron is always on 110%. I mean, this guy's like just floating up here all the time. He never has any issues. You're, and you feel barren. You feel like no matter what you do, Remember, they were righteous in God's eyes, and they obeyed all of His commandments and all of His regulations, and they could not reproduce. They could not fulfill a whole, a desire, a need inside of them. And they were just, they were old. It was past their time. I'm speaking to somebody. It doesn't matter. Listen, it's not brain surgery. Sorry, Dr. Beam. Um, It's not brain surgery. I don't think you do that, though. Um, But you could, I bet. Um, I'd let you cut my brain. Um, see you in a couple weeks, by the way. And uh, it, listen, you talk to a group of three people. Somebody's probably broken. We're broken people. 
Anybody in here never been broken by life? Because, bro, I'm, you're, you're my new mentor. Like, you and I are going to hang out and eat Carlstown House and drink Mountain Dew all day because I need to talk to somebody that's never had their life broken and shattered like you just drop a Christmas ornament on the, on the concrete. Poof. And you look at it and go, I can't even put that back together. You ever been shattered so badly and out of hurt and pain and barrenness, you just look at what you thought was going to be your life and you just look at it and go, it was a wreck anyway, but now it's, it's irreparable. Now I can't even put it back. When you're talking to somebody, co-workers, when you're talking to family members, when you're looking in the mirror in the morning trying to convince yourself that you're Ephesians 2.10, that you're his masterpiece, you're talking to somebody that's probably broken and barren. Don't judge this. We are master manipulators of, morning, oh, morning, how you doing? Great, woo! We've all done it. We've all been victimized by it, only to find out a week later, somebody in that very moment, all they had was say, could you pray for me? Could you? Nope. We're masters of, I'm busy. I got to get somewhere. I don't want to reveal what's inside. I think I got to figure it out. And here they are. They're broken and they're barren. And so Zechariah is actually burning incense. I looked this up. I get geeked out by weird data. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a priest. You got one chance in your entire lifetime to burn the incense. This was his masterpiece moment. This is what Zechariah, since he was a little boy, was trained in the order of the priesthood of Aaron to do was this one moment he was going to offer incense before the Lord for the nation of Israel. So this was it. There's no reboot, no redo, no reset button. And it gets interrupted by Gabriel, the angel, who just is like, and I'll paraphrase, you're going to have a kid. Listen, I need to be about the business of God. Why are you interrupting me, God? I've waited my whole life. I've been trained specifically for this moment. It's like literally the first brain surgery you might do. And you're like, ooh, ooh. I think you have to use a drill first. I don't know. Like, and all of a sudden it's like, doctor, by the way, you didn't fill out your W-2 correctly. And are you claiming an exemption or was that? I'm getting, you know, here's Zechariah. Like, this is it. Whatever, the incense moment. And an angel shows up. Poof. You're going to have a kid, you and your wife. And you're going to name him John. Because he's going to be really different. He's not going to look like the other order of the priesthood that you're in. It kind of ends with you, bro. Name him John. Well, of course, Zachariah's like, how will I know? I'm, we're old. He gives him all the reasons why it can't happen. Ever been there? God bursts something inside of you, and you're like, have you looked at my resume lately, God? I can't talk in front of people. Good, I'll give you Aaron, Moses. Oh, oh check that one off. Um, I can't, um, I'm not very mobile. I'll give you a scooter. Um, I, I, I'm not the brightest. I don't require education to pour into you spiritual thing. Um, well, you'll find that every reservation you have and every you can't, you won't, God has a you will if you want it. Every believer can and must minister. Every one of you has an Ephesians 2.10 masterpiece thumbprint moment. You are called to minister. 
What's your purpose? Are you fulfilling your purpose? Could you look me in the eyes? Could you look your neighbor in the eyes and say, right now, I am fulfilling the purpose that God put in me before I was even in my mother's womb. He knew me. And of course, Gabriel's like, well, there's a problem. You've got a little bit of doubt, so we're going to have to sew things up a little bit. And so actually, I'm just going to shut your mouth until an appointed moment. So he comes out. Because it's the one-time moment, all, it's like the Bible says all the people are gathered around like, oh, come out and give us a word, Zechariah. And he's like. <laughs> and they're like, he's gone mad. He got some of the incense in him. He did some things with the incense you're not supposed to do. He's, <laughs> he must have seen an angel. So they got to go through like a whole pregnancy. You're like, you know, Mary shows up to congratulate her. There's all these promises. Flip the slides. There's some great promises in this. Because John was foretold that he was going to do some pretty incredible things. He's going to be a man of the Spirit. With the Spirit and power of Elijah. He's going to prepare the people for the coming of Jesus. Catch this, because you're about to just assume this is a John thing. He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. He's going to take brokenness and repair it. He is going to cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Wow. But see, in the order of the priesthood, you're going to name him after dad. Got to call him Zachariah too. Like El Segundo Zachariah, numero dos. Like you can't name him some crazy name out there because there's an order of religiosity. And Jesus said, I didn't really come to play with the order of religiosity. I'm here for one mission, and that is to seek and to save that which has been lost. That dollar was lost in my back pocket. It didn't make it less valuable. It just didn't know its purpose. Filled with the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Would we have to turn people to God? Are we supposed to prepare people for the coming of the Lord? Are we to be about turning the hearts of fathers to their children? That means there had to have been a disconnect. I wonder if we live in a society right now where there's a disconnect between fathers and their children. Cause the rebellious to accept the... Do we live in a rebellious age? We talking about John, we talking about Church T, 2018. Flip that slide. Some of you are like, I bet there's 30. Anytime God gives you something amazing, I promise you, real fast, real crazy, because here's what happens. John's born. Guess who shows up? Neighbors and the family. The Bible says they rush to the birth. Anytime you have a God moment in your life. Anytime the Holy Spirit births in you an incredible moment that nobody, people that know you are like, that's not going to happen. All CT is for ZT. Chill coffee strong, baby. ZT can float on its own. Like, we'll beat him in football. I don't know. Like, come on, Derek. I'm a chill coffee boy. You can't have me out here. ZT, you know, I can't put on pioneer colors. Like, I can't even go back to my hood. They won't accept me. Like, he's like, man, it's something God's given me. And listen, I promise you, be honest with me. Have I prepped you for this question? Did we talk about it before service? Did you doubt it at any point that what God had spoken to you was maybe just you? 
Absolutely. Did, did anybody in your family say, basically, that's dumb? Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Boston. <laughs> did people in church politely listen to you, and then you could tell they were just like pat on the back, hope it works out? Oh, yeah. When God gives you something in a dream and a vision that is uniquely yours. See, he didn't give CT is for ZT to me because it had gone nowhere. I'd have been like, CT is for ZT. I couldn't even have been slick enough to come up. That's a cool jingle. CT is for ZT. Like, I wouldn't have even come up with that. But he gave it to Derek. Why? Because Derek is God's masterpiece. And Derek, God birthed in him something. But guess what? Real fast, the neighbors and the family show up, and they want to name your baby for you. Well, it can't really work like that. You're going to get other churches involved? What if other churches steal a little bit of church T's glory? How are you going to get other churches involved? Because other churches, you know, them pastors are crazy folks. Like, they'll start trying to, like, lord over it, and it won't even get back to you. People might even forget it was your idea. Like, the neighbors and, and the family, they mean well. He didn't say like the criminals and the mass murderers showed up to name your baby. It's the people you know best. Sometimes are the ones that when you have a God moment, they show up really well intending and say, Dr. Beam, that's crazy. You're going to go out on your own practice? Like, that's a great idea. Like, let Ike do it someday. I don't know. He wants to be a hospital administrator or something. And, and I'm sure you had moments like that, like, whoo, am I doing what I'm supposed to do here? Like, it's, it's hard sometimes to step out because the Bible says that faith is basically defined as you can't see it, that there's no evidence that it's going to work except it's in you, working out of you, and it's scary. And so the family, and they're like, yeah, we're going to call him Zachariah after the order of his dad. It's how we do things. And John has this, now what he did for like nine months, could you imagine if I couldn't talk for nine months? <laughs> my, my, please pay no attention to my wife's facial expressions at this moment. If I couldn't speak for nine months, I'd make it six hours, eight hours tops. Nine months. Zachariah's like a priest. He's not like in a like a cubicle doing numbers. He's like the order of the priesthood. He's around people. He's doing the business of the Lord. All of a sudden, when they're like, we're about to name him Zachariah, it's the eighth day, time to circumcise. God bless that fella. Like, it's time to circumcise the little dude. Man, it's, here we go, Jewish customs. We're about to name him Zachariah. I don't know what he did to get their attention, but he couldn't talk. It was something extra. I don't know what he threw, I don't know what he kicked over, but he got a little writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John. And the Bible says at that moment, he could speak. And he began to glorify God. See, the familiar always wants to subdue the supernatural. The familiar, the things you're used to, the things you've always seen it happen like this. We've always had church this way. We've always reached our community this way. We've always done it this way. I'm not talking about changing the gospel, chill. Some of you are all like, ah, oh, it's that new stuff. I'm not talking about new stuff, man. Methods change. The message doesn't. I don't want to be a part of a church, and I'm glad I'm not, but I don't want to be a part of a church that resists 
calling it something different than it's always been called. And that's a tough moment sometimes when you're part of an organization or a group of people that are like, in our imperfection, God is made perfect. He got a whole bunch of ragtag folks together. Some people have been here a really long time. Some people have been here like, it's your first Sunday. And if you want to be part of something pretty incredible, you're going to have to forget that there's an order to things that's always been done. But if you always do what you've always done, you're going to always get what you've always gotten. And for some people, that's fine. It's probably in the place. Because I want to be a part of people that will look outside the box and say, what does our society craving right now? There is broken homes everywhere. There are, even in homes that aren't broken, there is great disconnect between fathers and their children. At sometimes, no fault of the fathers other than, how did we get to this point? I've been there. I've struggled with my son. He's a hard fella to reach. And I have sat sleepless. That's not abnormal for me. But I have sat quietly and thought, how do I reach my son? I'm involved. I'm home more than the average dad. I'm present. I'm involved. But there's a disconnect. There's a spirit alive of this age that wants to disconnect kids from their families. And separate them from the herd. Because all you have to do is take out one generation, a couple generations, thin them out real bad, and then all of a sudden momentum is lost. And then it becomes like your grandparents' Jesus and your mom and dad's Jesus. We've got to reach a world dynamically with the message that hasn't changed, but be willing to be John, who was a goofball, who was kind of weird, who ate like grasshoppers and wild honey, which actually, when you look it up, was food that the poor ate. That was actually the key diet of folks who had nothing. That was basically the homeless diet. He was, even though he wasn't homeless, he was willing to be homeless to reach the homeless. He was willing to go where they lived to reach where they lived. He was willing to be all things to all men so that some might be saved. He was willing to say, you know, it's not going to look like the order of my dad. I should be Zechariah. But Gabriel said, you better call him John because he's going to be different. Why? He's got a message to deliver. And that is that there is someone coming. And he said, there's somebody's come. Somebody's coming. I can't, I'm not even worthy to latch their shoes. But I'm telling you, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming, and you want to be ready. You want to be prepared. He's really awesome. Trust me, you want to meet him. You want to get to know him. He is good. He is holy. He is reverent. He is awesome. He is going to do miracles, signs, and wonders. He is going to fill up the earth with love and with power and demonstration, and he's going to be hated for it, but you better get ready. You better get ready. That's us. Jesus is coming. He's coming back for a bride. And our job is to be the John of this generation and say, listen, it's not going to look like your daddy's church. It might not even do the same methods as your grandpa's church. But there are drug addicts. There's murderers. There is addiction and brokenness and poverty all around us. And we got to be willing to be whatever to whomever to reach them with the love and the message and the gospel of a Savior that really doesn't care where you're at. He only cares where you'll let him take you. You've not lost your worth. 
He just wants to plug you back in to your calling. That's it. So I want to be a church that doesn't feel like we have to follow the order, some archaic order. I want to be a church that's willing to kick down some walls, to break down some stereotypes, to bust over some humps that we've struggled with and say, listen, if that was my son, if that was my nephew, if that was my sister, if that was my wife, if that was my husband, if that, I wouldn't care how somebody brought him the bread and living water. I just would say, whatever you got to do, man, get it to him. Because, man, once you get that water, you're never going to thirst again. Once you get that bread, it's the bread of life. Wow. Man, don't call him Zachariah. Call him John. Call it Church T, but don't label us. Because, man, I think we're in the midst of some pretty crazy stuff that God wants to birth in us, some pretty incredible outreach and inreach moments. And they're sometimes going to stretch us a little bit, and we're going to go, hmm, are you sure? And sometimes God will shut us up while he's doing the work. And he'll say, hey, shh, let me do the work in here so that you can do the work out there. Some of you may be barren right now. Hold on. He loves to take barrenness. He loves to take broken. He loves to take hopeless. And he loves to work it for his glory. Some of you may have been given that child inside. You, you're, literally, but figuratively, you may have this spiritual thing going on. You feel God moving, but how does that look like? What's going to happen? What are my next steps? What's going to happen if it gets bored? I'm not qualified pastor to... Yeah, you are. Just don't put a label on it. Just call it the work of God. Because we've got jobs to do, and that's be filled by the Spirit, to turn the hearts of the children back to their parents, back to their fathers, to get the rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly, and to prepare the way of the Lord who's coming back. I want to be a part of that. I want to encourage you. Do you know your purpose? Could you look somebody in the eyes today and say, God has given me a purpose too? And it not be generic, it be your Acts 20, 24, your Ephesians 2, 10. You would tell somebody specifically why God has brought me through what he's brought me through. I should have been dead, should have been out of my right mind, but he saved me for this purpose. If you can't, that's okay, but it's not okay. Find it. How do you find it? Pray. Get around good people that will pour into your life. You can't do this on your own. Get in a small group. Find somebody that will mentor you. I don't care if it's a text a week. Say, will you send me one text a week, man? Pray for me and send me a text. Reach out to people that you say, listen, you're not perfect either, but man, I know, I know you're, you're trying to live for God, man. Would you hold me accountable? Find good people to do life with. All of a sudden, you'll realize your purpose will start coming into view. And when it does... Good intending folks are going to show up and say, well, it's got to look like this. See, your grandpa was Methodist, and your grandma was Baptist, and your great-grandpa was Pentecostal, and you're you're like, well, uh, what am I supposed to be? Just follow Jesus. Just just chase him. And, And it's really not a chase like you can't get him, but just follow him all the days of your life, and he'll take you to some incredible moments. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. 
For further information, go to www.churchtea.org.